Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to another episode of Lost in Science, where once again we science up your ear holes with some stories about science. Uh, With me today I have Claire. Hello, Chris. How are you, Claire? Yeah, I'm not bad. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, What have you got to entertain us with or to infotain us with today? Infotainment. Well, it's it's actually been a great source of um, entertainment for me this whole week um, is there is a new recording of a new type of bird that can mimic human voice. And it's not the type of bird that you would expect and it's certainly not saying the type of thing that you would expect either. And it is probably the funniest thing that I've heard for a really long time. And the weirdest. So, <laughs> so I'm going to introduce us to that particular bird because it's a weird bird already. Okay, a mystery weird bird saying a weird thing. Oh, it's saying a really weird thing. And it's the first time that any of these types of birds has ever uttered like a like even even yeah any type of mimicry it's pretty amazing i don't want to give too much away but you will hear some crazy sounds i look i like some crazy (laughs) sounds um and speaking of crazy sounds Stu, you're with us as well what have you got for us today uh well i've got a story how about that um no i've got i've got a story about um about a new potential treatment for uh osteoarthritis which is a it's it's a pretty common ailment that affects people as they age um the joints in our bodies start breaking down and causing people lots of pain and it's not very pleasant and it's a chronic ongoing condition and um you know it, it can be treated that one of the main treatments used for this is uh, you basically get the joint replaced with robo joints. You get, you know, uh, artificial prostheses put in to your joints, which is a pretty major operation, removing parts of your bones and all sorts of bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's and it a... costs six million dollars, I believe. Oh, that's that inflation. They're way more than that now. Um, no, they're 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 not that expensive, obviously. But um, but this is this is one of the common treatments. You know, there there are other options but you know one of the most common things is to get you know a knee replacement or a hip replacement for these osteoarthritis patients um but there's a new uh treatment potentially on the horizon um which is from a very unpredictable uh source i think probably no one will have thought of this before although it is a pretty obvious and common uh, place that we get this source of treatment from, and I'll I, again. I don't want to give too much away. I want you to tune in and listen to the story so you can find out what am I talking about. 
later on in the show. But yeah, it, it could be it could be quite huge, and it's it's going to be a big step forward for this kind of um, really quite common uh, um, chronic illness that people suffer from. There you go. A couple of very enigmatic stories for you today. If you like mysteries and surprises, stay tuned. If you just kind of want to know what's going to happen, well, I'm sorry, we've let you down. Um, but anyway, they are, um, I'm sure they will be amazing mystery animals, mystery birds with mystery words and mystery body parts for <laughs> surgeries. Um, all right, on with the show. <laughs> Mystery body parts. When it comes to the imitation game, birds are pretty high up there on the first group of animals that you think of. Of course, close to home, you might think of the incredible talent of the superb lyre bird and how each winter during mating season the males create a mound and bust out the greatest hits of the forest floor. I mean, it's pretty incredible hearing them imitate any bird that you know of for miles around. They, they, they do it with such stunning accuracy, don't they? How do you know they're imitating other birds and not just the other birds there? Have you heard one before? No, I haven't. It 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 sound it it's it sounds like a loop. Like it just goes from bird to bird. You got your black cockatoo. You got your wattle bird. You got your whip bird. You got your in grey fantail, and it just rotates again and again. And it's actually a lot louder than those birds are. Right. So um, yeah, t- the telltale signs. And also, they imitate other things. They they've been they've been known to lure people away from their from their cottages in early settled early settler times by making the sound of axes, which people would go off and investigate <laughs> the sound of the axe coming from the forest. And they've even done things like chainsaws. They yeah. do they do car alarms. <laughs> they'll yeah, just they'll pick totally. up on any any sound really. They totally do. And I don't know, Stu, have you heard um, this week in Sydney's Taronga Zoo, their resident lie bird named um, Echo took it one step further and has now perfectly mimicked the wails of a crying baby. Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible and it's got to, it's got to be pretty triggering for um, the new parents out there. Um, shall shall I play it for you? Oh sure, yeah, sure. Okay, okay. Yeah, all right. Chris's face, I can tell that he's probably ready um, for me to stop the wailing I, I, baby that isn't his baby. I don't right think now. I don't think that baby likes the zoo. I don't think so <laughs> I thought the zoo was supposed to be a happy place. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a pretty spot on imitation, um, and they do it very very well. It's but it's not just lyre birds who make vocal imitations. Obviously, parrots are incredibly good at mimicry. Um, but what what, a, what about a duck? Have you ever heard a duck imitating vocalizations, mimicking 
humans or anything else. I mean, I just normally hear them quack. Oh, look, only only in cartoons, let's be honest. There's a couple of famous cartoon ducks who do a pretty good job of of speaking, but, um, you know, your average waddling paddlefoot duck, probably not so much. Probably not. Only in that uh, nature documentary of Looney Tunes do we hear ducks imitating <laughs> human human voices. Um, well, this week, the first evidence has been plub- has been published that shows a species of duck mimicking other sounds. Um, now, there are many reasons to get excited about this. Uh, number one, it's an Australian duck. It's called the Australian musk duck, which is um, a Latin name, Bizura labata. Um, and that's the duck that's made this vocalization. Well, you don't often get the um, you don't often get the Latin name easier to say than the the common name. You're you having a bit of trouble with musk duck? I think it's a great tongue twister. Musk say duck. musk duck ten times fast. <laughs> that's right. Um, this the second reason to get excited about uh, this duck mimicking is that the vocalization that the musk duck makes contains a truly Australian swear word. So it's just perfect. It's just the best. Shall we take a listen? Sure. So, what's it it saying there exactly? People who may not have quite caught that. Well, I I heard and um, what the researchers are suggesting that it's saying is you bloody fool you bloody fool <laughs> and this is published in a legitimate scientific journal is this it? is published in a legitimate scientific journal um it is called the philosophical transactions of the royal society b <laughs> right okay vocal imitations and production learning by australian musk ducks Biziura lobata there it is. Um, so there are actually two sounds there that you heard. There was um, first, you know, was you bloody fool. Um, and uh, the second one was um, a door slamming or a door knocking. Oh, so that noise was a duck. It wasn't like that, an actual the, door. It was That was a duck. That was not an actual door. That was a duck making the sound, mimicking the sound of a door. Yeah, wow. so... Yeah, there you have it, the first known case of a duck mimicking a sound. So when did this, ha- when did this happen? Like, yeah, when so did this duck... it actually took place around 30 years ago um, oh. and the researchers have um, just found the audio files. They were recorded on a, um, on a Sony Walkman, actually, <laughs> in the article. <laughs> just great little tidbit for you. Um, it was made of a hand-reared musk duck. Uh, so it, 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 it wasn't a um, totally wild musk duck. Uh, and the name of the musk duck was Ripper. And this Ooh. happened in Tidbinbilla Nature Reserve, which is just southwest of Canberra. So 
you know, as Aussies you get in the Australian capital, saying so you're bloody fool. People who ask me, what is a what is a musk duck? Is it like a regular duck or is it like a special duck or? Yeah, well, it's a swearing duck. Um, uh-huh, I think yeah, you, yeah, will, yeah. you will realise that. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a really good question. Musk ducks are um, they are weird and they are wonderful in their own right. Before we realise that they're also um, great at mimicking swears. Um, they're they're sort of heavy in the body. They've got short wings. They've got stumpy little legs. And they spend very little time flying or even um, being able to support themselves on land. Their, their legs are so stumpy. So they end up spending a lot of time in the water. Uh, one other interesting feature of the musk duck is that the males are a lot bigger than the females. So they're, they're like three times as big. So and the other thing you'll notice about them if you look them up on the internet is the adult males have this like quite large pendulum-like lobe that hangs below their bill. And it makes them look not like any other duck. They look pretty weird, pretty unusual. Um, and the reason that they're called musk ducks, well, um, dominant males give off a pungent musky odour um, from none, no other place than their butts. Uh, so yeah, so you can you can probably you can probably guess that there's a fair bit, you know, with this um, what we call sexual dimorphism, with a male and a female being so um, you know so different in size. Uh, there's a fair bit of sexual selection that goes on with musk ducks, um, and and yeah, it's it, it's actually pretty pretty hectic. The the male display that scientists have described of musk ducks, and they've described it in an impressive amount of detail. In fact, um, of, in musk ducks, they've described three levels of male aggressive display. And these levels sort of increase in intensity. So the first level, and just imagine like level one of your, you know, Mortal Kombat uh, must duck fighter can do a paddle kick. Level two with a bit more intensity is the plonk kick. (laughs) And then the third level of intensity, which is the most intense, is the whistle kick. Da, 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 choose your fighter. Um, and, then, and then fourth level, they swear at you. <laughs> then, well, I mean, interestingly, um, you know, uh, with, with the whistle kick, uh, that's the only one where the musk duck actually combines um, a kicking motion with, um, with a vocalisation. And Ripper, uh, you know, the musk duck in question that um, likes to swear, he did his utterations of you bloody fool and the um, door slam noise. He accompanied it with the whistle kick posture. So he's combining. He is. He's got a new move, basically. He's got a new move. Yeah, which really suggests that the mimicry is somehow related to visual displays and potentially even mate selection. Um, now, I could go on all night about what this means also from an evolutionary perspective. Um, in terms of, you know, how vocalisations and mimicry um, evolves because, you know, ducks and parrots, they're not exactly the closest of relatives. There's at least 90 million years of of evolution separating them. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of questions that this this brings up in terms of what it means for how vocal imitation um, evolved. Uh, But I will leave that for another time and another story, you know, so long as the take home tonight is that this little ripper of a duck ain't no one's bloody fool. 
All right. Well, you think it's um, you think it's swearing is scary. Why do you see the bill? <laughs> Good one. You bloody fool. You bloody fool. Across Australia on the Community Radio Network, you're listening to Lost in Science. probably know the old song about body parts the ankle bones connected to the shin bone shin <laughs> bones connected to the knee bone the knee bones connected to the nose bone yeah <laughs> nose bone yeah what no the, not the nose bone that's that, not right is it look that doesn't uh, sound right look okay so apart from being very anatomically reductive and incorrect we really shouldn't rely on children's songs for a medical understanding anyway uh, I don't think they teach that song in medical school. Um, so we'll just skip over the fact, and I'll come back to noses later. But, in fact, bones obviously don't connect directly to each other anyway. At least they're not supposed to come in contact. And if they do happen to come mm. in contact, they can cause people a lot of chronic pain. So usually between bones we find a connective tissue called cartilage, which develops in embryos as a precursor to bones, which then they get replaced with bone as the bones develop. Uh, And then it sticks around to separate the bones and stop them clunking together. Uh, Bones are very hard. They don't change shape easily once they're fully formed, uh, which is a good thing. If you do get them to change shape once they're fully formed, you need to see a doctor pretty quickly. Um, While cartilage is a very strong, fibrous, flexible tissue made up of cells called chondrocytes. Now, there are other types of cartilage, but the cartilage found in joints is called hyaline cartridge, a cartilage, not cartridge. That's what you put in your old Nintendo 64. Um, Hyaline means glassy because this cartilage is very smooth and it's found at points of articulation. So it's also referred to as articular cartridge. So it's a point of articulation, a point of movement. So it's hyaline articular cartilage. Um, you thought musk duck was <laughs> hard to say. Musk duck, yeah. <laughs> hyaline articular cartilage. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, so the smoothness of the cartilage in the joints allows for the joints to move freely so the bones move freely against each other and also acts as a shock absorber to reduce the impact of bone on bone, which even sounds painful if you think about it. Um It's also uh, a storage of synovial fluid, which acts as a lubricant in the joints when they move or bear weight. It releases this fluid from the cartilage, which keeps them all smooth and well-oiled, I guess. Um, But if the cartilage in a joint is damaged by injury or if it wears out through normal wear and tear as people age, the bones may begin to come in contact directly, and this causes a great deal of pain. So the cartilage itself doesn't have any nerve endings in it, but the tissues around the joint do, including the bones themselves. So when the bones grind against each other, it can be felt directly. And you can sort of imagine what that would feel like if that was happening. You know, it's inside your limbs and stuff. So it's pretty awful. Um, So the older people get, uh, the more likely they are to have their cartilage wear out. And the name for this condition is osteoarthritis. Uh, And you've probably heard that term, osteoarthritis. This is different to rheumatoid arthritis, 
which is a an autoimmune condition, which is quite a separate thing, similar symptoms but different cause of the of the problem. So osteoarthritis is very common, and one of the most common treatments for it is joint replacement. So basically, they remove the failing joint where the bones are rubbing together and replace it with an artificial joint, which is designed to restore full movement to the affected joint. And you've probably heard of people getting knee replacements and hip replacements and those kind of things. They're fairly common uh, surgeries that people have. The older they get, it's it's more and more likely. And it's often um it's often titanium, isn't it? They use or something like that. Yeah, I my it's my understanding. Yeah, so titanium is one of the one of the substances which is less likely to be rejected by the body and things like that. And it's very long lasting. It's very strong, so you can get the replacement done and it does the job for a really long time. Um, but it is it is major surgery. It's literally removing a joint from your body and replacing it with a f- pretend one. Not a pretend one, it still works, but uh, an artificial one to take its place. So there's a lot of uh, removal of tissue and bits of bone and all sorts of stuff to actually get these replacement joints in. So it is a pretty major operation. They're very mm. successful, usually, uh, and they alleviate the pain. Once people have recovered, they can get full movement back and they go back to their um, usual activities. Uh, but it can obviously cause other problems, including rejection of the prosthetic joint, and you can get the, the regular kind of infections and things like that from any surgery, really. So as far as it goes, it's, it's, a, it's a good solution. It's the best we've got at the moment. As I mentioned earlier, cartilage does occur in other parts of the body. And some of them, some of those places, are as plain as the nose on your face, like your nose on your face, oh. is made of cartilage. Uh, also... Your ears are made of cartilage, and your windpipe is made of cartilage too. So there's some pretty important cartilaginous parts of your body. Um, Now, there's a myth that the nose and ears continue to grow for your entire life. This is not true. Your your ears... Why why do they look bigger? Well, well... So, yeah, why are old men always have such big ears? Yeah, Maybe their heads... Do their heads shrink? Their heads are shrinking. No, no, no. So... The cartilage does stop growing, but the other tissue, like skin, that covers the cartilage continues to grow and develop, and it gets saggy, and it makes people's noses and ears look bigger because it's kind of sagging over the over the framework wow. that the cartilage is providing oh, wow. for them. Wow. And there's not a lot that's, you can do about that's, that. Um, somehow, that's somehow more disturbing. Okay, yeah, look. Great. So that happened to, to Yoda because he's like 900 years old, and that's why he's got big ears. And also he's got very little nose, though. Not, Hang on, much... baby Yoda's still got big ears. Yeah, oh, that's, that's true. true. That's that is true. true. Wow, Claire, you've um, beat us with science there. <laughs> you've really oh, out nerded us there. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why I opened my mouth. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so the skin kind of grows over the over the cartilage and sags and makes it look bigger as as uh, as the skin gets older. Uh, but. Back to the nose. The cartilage found in the nose is a very special kind of tissue. It is formed of cells derived from a kind of stem cell called the neuroectoderm. Now, the neuroectoderm gives rise to cells of the nervous system. So cells in the brain and in nerves and in the spinal cord come from this neuroectoderm. And so, for some 
physiological reason that I don't quite understand. The, the cartilage in the nose is derived from this kind of stem cell. Um, and it's especially plastic compared to other cartilage. In other words, it can be effectively reprogrammed into forming tissues and structures when you take it and put it in cell culture. So a group of European scientists based out of the University Hospital of Basel in Switzerland have used these cells derived from nasal cartilage to engineer new knee cartilage in humans. So they've actually uh, published their paper uh, in Science Translational Medicine uh, journal and in the September 1st issue of that journal. Um, and I haven't read the September 1st issue yet, so that's probably why I've missed it. Yeah, it, it, it it's probably in the post. I know the post has been a bit slow lately. So... <laughs> So the uh, if if you do want to look it up the the journals online anyway, but the um, what they found was following on from successful animal trials in mice and in sheep where they did a similar process. They gave two human patients reconstructed knee cartilage engineered from their own nasal chondrocytes. So they got samples from these patients, cultured the cells, built these replacement knee cartilage out of the cultured nasal cells and uh, transplanted them into the knees of these patients. So one patient has shown increased distance between the bones of the knee in an MRI examination. So that indicates that the cartilage has grown to separate the bones in that patient's knee joint. Um, And the other one, uh, the other patient has not been examined directly because of COVID restrictions, which is, you know, this is the world we live in now. They can't actually get to this patient to give them an MRI, but they have spoken to them and they've reported greatly reduced symptoms in the joint. So they're experiencing less pain and more mobility of the joint. So they'll get further examination when they can actually get the patient to uh, front up for the um, for the examination. Um, how, how much of these cartilage cells were actually transferred? So they they took the samples of the cartilage cells and then they cultured the cells in cell culture and grew these replacement cartilages. So right. I, I'm not sure the you know how many cells they needed to start with, but they obviously took a sufficient amount to to culture them and get them to grow into these uh, frameworks that then they transplanted into their knees. Right. So they yeah. transplanted pretty much a whole sort of like cartilage. Um, framework that that was a total replacement of what would have been there, you know, before they had that osteoarthritis. Yeah, and and I think they're intending that it will it will sort of grow into place, grow into, and then Amazing. and then it will be sort of you know it's a permanent replacement for the cartilage that's been worn out by years of overuse. I guess. Um, obviously, this. Well, I guess. Is- I guess you know. I guess in those early stages of it, they do have to be careful about the COVID restrictions because you don't want to be catching COVID and getting like sneezing in your knee. Like uh, <laughs> that would, I yeah, that would be. I, I can't think what that would be like. Yeah, you have to sneeze. get a COVID test in your knee instead like a swab of swab your knee. Yeah, you got yeah. to swab your knee. It, yeah. it really, yeah, really puts that. really puts the knees in sneeze. Yeah, I guess. Um, obviously, as you say, it is quite an early stage, but it's a promising result and offers the potential for an alternative to prosthetic joint replacements in the future. And it's uh, from the sound of it, it's a much less invasive 
um, procedure as the surgery because they're not actually removing anything. They're just putting something back in. So they don't have to do a really long surgery and the recovery is a lot quicker as well. So as I said, it's a really early stage of this uh, research, but it's gone through uh, animal trials and it's into humans and they've actually had successful uh, transplants using the technique. So I think it's a, a really interesting advance in the uh, treatment of osteoarthritis, which will probably affect you know a great number of people uh, as they get older. Really passes the sniff test. I was waiting for it. I was, who's going to do it? I thought it was going to be Stu. And then Chris just came in at the last moment. That's fine. I, I was, that, that one, you, way you over You gave head. that one, you gave that one to him on a platter. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's great. Well done. Well yeah. done. That's yeah. really interesting research. So yeah, it really is. And that is it for another episode of Lost in Science. Lost in Science is recorded for 3CR in Melbourne on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And it airs across Australia on the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Now, we would love you to get in touch with us. You can email us at lostinsci at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. We are Lost in Science on 3CR. You can also on Twitter. We are at Lost in Science 1. You can also find us on your friendly local podcast app. And if you had the opportunity on that app to give us a good rating and review please do so that will help other people to find our podcast or you can listen to us however you listen to this episode at the same time every week claire stew and chris get lost in science Thanks for listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.